This episode's guest is one of the most inspirational people I know. Callie Little is, put simply, an adventurer. Most recently, she has completed the Appalachian Trail, but her resume of trek-related challenges does not end there. She's also a thru-skater. Thru-skating is basically backpacking on a skateboard. Her adventures range from crossing state lines, crossing an entire country, riding down coastlines, and everything in between. We got to talk a lot about what these adventures look like, and what compels individuals to even do them in the first place. Callie also shared what's next on our calendar, although, full disclosure, part of that adventure has unfortunately been cut short because tornadoes are not skatable. She also has plans for her Miami Ultra Skate, though, so if you're going there and listening to this before the event, best of luck to you. If you're hearing this after, you will indeed have an interesting perspective on this episode. As always, thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Skating in Circles. I'm here with Callie Little today. Callie, how you doing? I'm great. How's it going? Going pretty well. Going pretty well. Um, where are you right now? I know you're you're traveling around uh, for the viewers, so so they know what, what's your status. Where, like, where are you living? Uh, yeah. So right now I'm doing the van life, and I'm actually at uh, Blumenstein Farms. I don't think he calls it a farm, but he uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm at Clark's Clark's house in Tennessee, and uh, where he builds his beautiful cabinets and audio supplies. Uh, you know, I guess this is now a sponsored post by Blumenstein. Audio. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Blumenstein Audio, for bringing us Cali Little today. <laughs> yeah, that's an adventure. So you're living in the van, and you're yep. kind of moving around from place to place, and you've got some exciting things planned we're going to talk about today. Yes. Van life's good, though? You uh, like it? Yeah, so I've been living in the van ever since October when I finished um, hiking the Appalachian Trail and uh, my attempt at skateboarding across the country. Right, yeah. Um, for those listening who might want to get into van life, you say, go for it? Uh, yeah, I think that you need to be a very particular person. I've had to adjust my lifestyle quite a bit. Um, you know, I, I live in an Astro van, so it's more like a minivan. Uh, there's not a lot of space. It's teeny tiny. Uh, you got to kind of pick your luxuries. Um you know, like I have silk sheets in my minivan, Ooh. which I sleep in, you know, that's my luxury. So if I, if I'm ever so slightly not level when I park, I will literally slip off the bed. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, in general, van life is good. Um, it's, it's easy for me. You know, I have, I have so many friends that are dispersed all over the place. So I'm like pretty confident a lot of the time that I can, uh, travel wherever phone a friend and find a lawn to to park or whatever and if not there's always blm land national parks so uh you know i feel like i have kind of always got a home it's just like i'm just carrying my bed around with me that's so cool um yeah you seems like you're you're a traveler i kind of learned a long time ago that i'm not ever going to be normal i'm not really ever gonna uh i can't do the nine to five job thing uh, i just don't have the attention span or the motivation for it uh, i can't do the home life thing i get pretty stir crazy pretty fast um and you know i've done so many adventures 
since, you know, over the last 10 years that uh, I've found that I'm happiest when I'm adventuring. So, you know, don't, uh, don't mess with a good thing, you know, keep yourself adventuring. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I took a, like a hiatus of adventuring and then I, I just jumped headfirst into doing the Appalachian Trail. And that was like, wow, suddenly I'm happy again. Suddenly I realize everything that I miss. You know, why am I going to stop? You know, and as I got closer to the end of the Appalachian Trail, I'm like, like, well, well, there's, what's what's for me after this? You know, because I'm certainly not going to just go to a desk job or anything like that. So uh, it's kind of like what I've been going through is kind of figuring out a way to make my life in a way that I can just travel all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, So as you know, one of the questions I ask a lot of people is what motivates you? And would you say this is kind of like going to a new place is kind of what gets you out of out of the van or out of the van? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of different things that motivate me. Um, You know, most of it is, you know, like personal relationships with people. Right. You know, um, I find that I just I can't exist in a group for too long. I tend to I tend to latch on to people. I become very uh, codependent very easily. Um, and you know what motivates me is realizing these things about myself, knowing my faults, and uh, you know kind of seeking a new way to kind of adjust and deal with these things. Like depression comes really really easily for me if I'm um, you know especially in the winter when it snows. I, I don't know what it is, but you know it just starts to wear down on me. And you know you put on a lot of weight, you eat a lot of food, you get depressed, you don't want to get up and go anywhere. Um, so, you know, what motivates me is kind of keeping things fresh because if I don't keep things fresh, I fall into old habits. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, that was what I learned in the last year on the Appalachian trail that I'm happiest when I'm moving. Movement is good. Yeah. I like that. Happiest <laughs> when moving. I feel like there's probably a few others, especially listening who that resonates with them quite a bit. Uh, speaking of skateboarding, right? What we talk about on the show, when was your first time skate- skating? Would you say? Oh man! I mean, I grew up skateboarding. Uh, my friend group always was skateboarding, but I was always the the loser. I had to have an eight and a half inch, you know, popsicle deck. I had to have the big deck. And then when I realized that longboards were a thing, I was like, "Damn, I got to get one of those." Um, you know, through college, I was uh, delivering pizzas with a skateboard in the little town of Salem, Massachusetts. Um, it's not really a little town; it's a city. But uh, you know. Um, <laughs> And then, you know, I would skate down hills. I would get college friends and we would skate down hills uh, together all the time. And that was like, like super kooky stuff, you know. And then it was uh, finally when I first really started like skating and getting into skating was, uh, you know, I, I got a DUI um, a while ago, a long, long time ago. I got a DUI and I lost my car in the process. So I couldn't drive to work anymore, which is eight and a half miles to work. I was working at like a Whole Foods and it was winter in Massachusetts. So I was trudging through (laughs) the snow uphill both ways, you know, and it was like crazy, you know, so I was, so I was doing 17 miles a day to, to work and on the way back. Um, and I started just spending my paycheck and I was like, I was like, I got to get better gear. I got to get better, bigger wheels, better trucks, uh, maybe a board that can withstand, you know, the, the snow and the salt and the ice. And, uh, you know, so I started putting my paychecks actually into more skateboarding stuff. And I was like, Hey, guess what? I just did eight and a half miles in 30 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever the time was. And I would keep trying to test myself and get better. And then I started using my vacation time to actually go farther. So, you know, I, I remember I took a week off to try and skate to, uh, to New York city and, uh, it was the middle of winter, but I was <laughs> nice. like, I just gotta go, I gotta go. And so, you know, those were like my first times really like 
getting into skating and wanting to skate. And then that was when I like started posting online and I found someone who was like, uh, Hey, you know, people do this shit competitively. Right. And I was like, what really? And that was how I heard of the ultra skate. So I was like, Oh, well I'm going to go in. I'm going to make all these losers feel really bad about themselves because I'm the best. And, uh, you know, and I was super humbled, you know, I went into ultra skate and I was super duper humbled. Uh, you know, and that was, I was like, wow, I found my people, people who like to go fast and they like to go far. (laughs) That's so cool. That's funny. I think Miguel or Angel Miguel said the same thing about his first experience was like, oh, I'm going to crush these guys. Like, there's no way. No one's better than me (laughs) in this town, you know? And it's like, well, (laughs) turns out that's funny. Yeah. I mean, I think we hear that a lot. I think, um, you know, there's there's a couple of people I could pick out just off the top of my head that have like, you know, like, and we see this, you know, if you're in the Facebook distance skateboarding group, every once in a while, there's some new guy who comes in and is like, hey, what's up? I'm going to beat the world record. <laughs> and when everyone was like, oh, you again, you know, like, you know, there, there's always going to be a new one. You know, they come in, they and then they get humbled. They realize, you know, the disc skate community is a pretty cool community, and then you know, then they fall in line, and then they mm-hmm. get good. And they do, they do well. <laughs> right, right. It's a, uh, it's a journey. Everyone's, everyone's got to have that. It's easy to underestimate too, like how much some of this stuff takes when it's such a long grind and like. Oh yeah, yeah. I and and our races, you know, we we do speed races, and they're 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 over fast, and they don't really scratch that itch and then we do long races and it's like oh holy shit you know this is this is 24 hours of skateboarding (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know there's there is no in between Mm -hmm. yeah you said you were from salem massachusetts like the witch i I went to college in salem massachusetts Uh, yeah okay cool and you your first sort of attempt at riding like a really long distance was trying to make it to nyc in, in one go new york city uh, yeah, well, that was like my first planned trip, but I had, uh, so I, my goal was to skate across every, uh, state line that borders Massachusetts. So you have Rhode Island, Connecticut, New York, New Hampshire, Vermont. And so that's five borders across Massachusetts. So I had done all of them and New York was the final one. So I was leaving from, uh, the city of Worcester, Massachusetts, which is fairly smack in the center. So, I, uh, you know, so I went from Worcester to, uh, Hampton beach, New Hampshire. I went from Worcester to Rhode Island. I went from, uh, to Providence, Rhode Island, uh, Worcester to, uh, I think it was Hartford, Connecticut, uh, Worcester to just over the border in Vermont. That was a 100 mile trip. And that was, uh, to the town of, um, Satan's Kingdom, Vermont. Satan's and I did Kingdom. New Hampshire. Yeah. And then and then New Hampshire, like I said, was was Hampton Beach. So the next goal was just get to NYC. My goal was to head west, uh straight west across Massachusetts. I didn't quite make it. It was uh snowing like crazy and I was I was just, you know, a kook at the time. So <laughs> I, I didn't have my my adventure chops yet. It's like another one of those underestimate challenge things right you did it in yeah. the winter <laughs> it's right. like really silly yeah it's kind of funny you know all of my extreme trips seem to start in the winter i don't know what it is mm-hmm. <laughs> uh for some things i guess it would make sense right if you were starting in the south right yeah well like so when i did my first cross-country adventure i started in oregon and it was like October 9th. So I was basically running away from, I was basically running into winter 
the whole time that I did it. And then this last trip that I just did, you know, I left uh, the Canadian border and I, uh, and it was September 25th. So it was, it was getting pretty cold, yeah. you know, up, up, up towards Canada. And, uh, you know, and then I started the Appalachian trail and I did that in March. It was seven degrees my first night on the mountain. So, you know, I tend to find myself in the middle of winter. I don't know why I hate the snow. I hate the cold more than anything. <laughs> and yet you need to decide to be out in it for, for all these rides. Being yeah. on the Appalachian trail in March, and it was freezing. That must have been. You started in the south, though, because you started in the yep, north. It wouldn't at, be doable, correct? Right. Yeah. So, so basically, you either start in Georgia at uh, Springer Mountain, which is about forty-five minutes north of Atlanta, or you start at Mount Katahdin, uh, which is in the middle of nowhere, Maine, um, and uh, and that's. You can't leave from Katahdin until like July because that's when the snow really starts to finally melt and everything. Um, and then you can't uh, – and then Springer Mountain, you can leave whenever. But the best weather is to start kind of like the early April area and then you head north and then you end up in um, Katahdin by next winter. Nice. Nice. Carlos Montalvo, our chief Ladiga organizer, is coming to visit me in March. And he mm-hmm. wants to do the white, uh, the white mountain. He wants to do Mount Washington, which is Great. like the sketchiest mountain on the East coast. And he wants to do it in March, yeah. early March, which is like, sometimes you just mm. can't like they, I, you I don't think they'll it. even let you up there. <laughs> you can hike it. You can hike it pr- pretty much all year round. The, the, oh yeah, no, Katahdin they won't let you up. Yeah. They Katahdin, won't let you up they Katahdin, won't. but they will Mount Washington. Yeah. Which is weird because <laughs> Mount Washington seems sketchier, but. Um, well, Washington has a lot of different paths up it. I mean, there's a road. You could walk up the road. And the road is close. Yeah. The road will be closed <laughs> until like May or something. So you can't yeah, drive yeah. up it until the summer. Um, but yeah, we're going to have a, an event. If I say that because Mount Washington's got like all that weird weather, but like mm-hmm. other parts of the White Mountains will be fine. So we'll find something to do, but I don't know if we'll, yeah, yeah. we'll do that. Yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah, you got to be careful. There was a guy who just died in the Whites. That's what uh, I told like him. Two, day, two <laughs> days ago. Someone just died there. Yeah. Uh, someone who I, I met on the trail, actually. He just passed away. He was oh, just shit. hiking the Whites. He was trying to do a, uh, they call it a duratesma. It's uh, banging all 48, 4,000 foot mountains in the Whites. Um, doing them all in one go is called a Diratesma. And I think he was attempting it. I'm not sure on the specifics. Someone else can totally, uh, you know, adjust my facts here, but he was attempting it. And I believe he, he died from exposure. You know, it's just too cold. He didn't turn back when he should have. And, uh, you know, so you be careful out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's what I'm, I'm like super cautious. And Carlos like, I think we can do it. I read some reviews. I'm like, I've read some reviews too. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and they're not great. <laughs> Um, yeah, you can easily die if you just underestimate a simple like weather change, right? Like uh, you get yeah. whiteouts and then you don't know where you are and then you're fucked. Yeah, yeah. And you don't have to worry about that until you get to pretty much New Hampshire. So like you, the, the whole AT is kind of, I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's certainly easier than New Hampshire and Maine. So you have like... You have 11 states of like a challenge and then you have two states of just like kick your ass. <laughs> right. I remember you saying Pennsylvania was tough for you, right? Was that what it was? Uh, I No, Pennsylvania I enjoyed a lot, but Pennsylvania okay. is the most fear-mongered state of the Appalachian Trail ah. uh, because 
that's when it turns to rock. So you're just coming off of Virginia when you get to Pennsylvania, which is Virginia is just straight up, straight down, straight up, straight down. And then you get to Virginia or, or Pennsylvania and it's flat, but there's rocks everywhere. So your feet hurt all the time, you're <laughs> rock hopping all the time. You can't just zone out and walk before. It's like the first time that uh, the trail becomes different. So mm-hmm. it's like a notable area. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, hiking the AT with the all around the whole thing, it was, it was a challenge the whole way. There was not a single day where I was like, oh, that was a great, easy day of hiking. It was hard all the way through. Right. I feel like, uh, East coast hiking is very much like you explained, like can't really chill too much. All the, like some parts probably, yeah. but like up here where I've, where I've gone, it's a lot of just like scrambling up little rocks and then you've got mm-hmm. some weird windy section that's got a bunch of roots and stones you got to step over. Yeah. You know, I lived in, I lived in Oregon and you can go in 30 minutes in any direction, no matter where you are in Oregon. And there's a beautiful hiking trail. It's easy. There's no scrambles. It's a nice, beautiful grade. And then you come to the Massachusetts or, or where I, where I lived in Massachusetts, but you come anywhere on the East coast and it's scrambles, it's straight up. And you realize that, you know, it's because the Appalachian mountains are the oldest mountains in the world. Yeah. Right. So they've had, uh, centuries of, you know, people hiking up and down them, but just psychos, you know, just people like in the whites, there's a, I forget what mountain it is. It's like towards the end of the whites, but, uh, it was, the path was carved by these two hikers and they just went straight up a waterfall. So when, so when you're going northbound on the AT and you're coming down, uh, you're actually getting dumped on by a waterfall in the middle of like the cold weather as fall sets in and you're just coming down this mountain, getting dumped on by a waterfall. And, and it just because nobody else has ever plotted another path. So wow. in the West where they make all their paths because of cows and they follow the cows along. Uh, so they're nice, easy grades. The, um, the East coast is very, very different, <laughs> a totally different beast of hiking. I don't know what it is. Some random dudes just went up a waterfall and now that's the route. Like, Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it's very real. I don't know why, you know, but, you know, coming from the skateboarding, uh, you know, community, you know, we kind of realize, you know, endurance people are psychos, you know, in a, in a lot of different ways. Hiking is, you know, probably, you know, for me, it's been an amazing cross training and, um, you know, you kind of get the, the mindset, you know, I met so many different hikers doing the Appalachian trail and all of them come from the same cut of cloth that distance skateboarders are there's usually uh some underlying goal within these people or there's you know some kind of trauma that forced them out and you know it's something it's there's always some tick in someone's brain that either makes them an endurance skater and you know or or makes them a hiker and uh you know i i said this yesterday to you but i call it main character syndrome you know it's there's there's main characters all over hiking there's main characters all over skateboarding so you know it's it's people who have something to prove something to defeat and uh it, that's just the culture that that we have. So that's why hiking and skateboarding they kind of fell in line for both of me. And and you you see it, and like as you talk to to skateboarders, you see it as you talk to hikers. It's very interesting. I love that main character syndrome. It's such a good way to describe it. Um, especially yeah. you know like we were just talking about people will come out and be like, oh, I can do that. You know, it's like because you think you're the main character. You know, you're gonna be the hero. Right. You think you're the hero. And yeah. Like, for some, that's actually what gets you out the door, right? And like gets you motivated and it's not necessarily a bad yes. thing but recognizing it's not it necessarily is a bad thing yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And for me personally, you know, I've 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 come a long way. I've had to humble myself in a lot of different ways. I've had to have some humility about, you know, my successes and my failures and um and that's been an awesome coming of age story for me, yeah. you know, but, but I did, I came out strong. Um, you know, so e- even when I was doing the AT, you know, I'd come out and I'd be like, Hey, what's up? I'm Callie. Um, and they'd be like, Oh, Hey, you know, I'm whatever. And then I'd be like, what's, what's got you hiking? They're like, Oh, I dreamed of this my whole life. And I'm like, well, I didn't really dream of hiking the Appalachian trail my whole life. I was just looking for another challenge. And then I'm like, Oh, you know, I skateboarded across the country. I've cycled across the country. I've done this and that. And they're like, Oh, you know, I, I work at a bookstore, you know? And, you know, so, so I'm like trying to tone down my own main character syndrome to adjust and meet people on the fly. You know, it's just different parts of the story that we're all at. And, uh, you know, you, as I go along, I humble myself and realize, you know, I'm, I'm not the, I'm not the great skateboarder that I thought that I was. I'm, I'm a competitive skateboarder. I'm not the the great hiker that I came out and thought that I would be. I'm, uh, you know, I was a new hiker and for the first time, it was the first time for me being a new person at something. I thought it was very, um, a new angle to take on life. Yeah. And you were talking about like personal relationships earlier about like what motivates you and, I think being able to recognize that like the person who works works in a bookstore is also a main character, right? They've got a whole right. life they've led up to that point. They just might not be telling you everything about them, right? And like being able to uh, talk to someone, listen to them and like get to know their stories is a skill and like it will help you like gain that humility, right? And it sounds like that's kind of what you were doing out there, right? It's, yeah, yeah. You know, and you know, with the AT, I, I, sure, sure, I could have done the whole thing alone and been like, ah, oh, you know, I did it. I did it with no help from anybody. I, I tackled all these miles. There, it was all me, all me, you know, but uh, very quickly I fell into a group of people. Uh, I adjusted. I did less miles some days because I met gr- friends. And, you know, so, so, you know, like I'm saying with this main character syndrome that I think that a lot of people have, uh, you know, finding the humility to make friends and build a community and practice and train and go and do all this. It's all a part of the process. And I've, I've had to learn that it's been, it's, it's been a cool experience. And with the AT, it was awesome. I made some of the best friends of my entire life. It was a formative experience for me. That's so cool. So yeah, let's talk about cross country skateboarding. Uh, You've done quite a bit of it right and you talked about like setting out for challenges and maybe coming up short a couple times but before we get into that let's talk about like what is cross-country skateboarding like sure can we explain that like is it like backpacking like how would how would you describe it yeah so i think um if you talk to paul kent uh i think that we would not call it cross-country skateboarding i think we would actually call it uh there's like, so, so there's through hiking, right. And that's where you take your backpack and you through hike an entire trail. So I think that we're more inclined to call it like through skating or something like that, where you take your backpack, uh, and you do an adventure and you know, there's no, there's no follow car. There's, there's nothing like that. Like, and that's what I do. I've never done a car assisted, uh, kind of adventure or anything. So I'm a, I'm a through skater through and through that's, uh, that's what I am. And when I started that was um 
not a term and uh you know i'd say it's fairly new because now there's there's a lot more players in the through skating game as we watch that longboarding you know goes through its ebb and flow of growing and shrinking and so now we're meeting people who who are finding that that sense of adventure to go through skating but so when i started it was 2016 uh, I was in a rough place in life. I found myself kind of backed against the corner of needing money, not having a job, living in California. and uh, and But I always had this dream in the back of my head that I was going to skateboard across the country. So, you know, I, I went and I did it. Um, I started out with the goal of, you know, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the best. I'm going to set a world record. I'm going <laughs> to skate 100 miles a day. You know, everybody sucks. I'm the master. And, uh, but... I was pretty humbled my very first day. And, and I think that a good way to exemplify this is, you know, my very first day I left from Bend, Oregon, right after, uh, it was one of Conan's races out there. Oh, and, the Bend um, Beatdown. I think it was the Bend Beatdown. Yeah, I think one. it was the last Bend Beatdown. And, uh, it was icy. There's ice out on the road. And, uh, there was a, a news organization doing a story about me and uh it was it was freaking cold, man. It was cold. And I had like a little parade of skaters with me, some great people, and they pushed me off. I went and I skated. It was like as soon as you leave Bend, it's just flat, open, it's a high desert, there's lots of sage, and it was like, oh shit, I'm doing it. I'm really doing it. And I think I made it maybe like 20, 30 miles. And there's a little town called Brothers, Oregon. And all it was was this one store. It was a uh, a post office, a clothing shop, a um, and a kitchen at the same time. I go in, I'm the only one. And this woman, she's like, oh my God, like I've never met anyone like you. Like this is so cool. And uh and I was like, yeah, but I got to get going. I'm trying to do all these miles. She's like, stop. She's like, stop. She's like, chill, chill, chill. She's like, it's, it's about the people that you meet. It's not about, it's not about that. She's like, she's like, come on. You've never seen this state before. You've never seen this state. You've never done this. You've never done that. She's like, just take it all in. Just take it all in. And, uh, so I did, I slowed down immediately. I threw away all of my goals of going fast and going hard and setting a record. I threw them away within the first 30 miles because I was just like, you know, I just met this amazing person and I kind of had to be open to meeting more people. So that kind of set the stage for the whole 2016 cross country trip. Uh, when people would ask me, Hey, you need a ride? I'd be like, yeah, sure. Where are we going? You know, yeah. <laughs> I would just jump in people's cars for the story of it. And, and I really, uh, I learned a lot from doing that. I jumped in so many random people's cars. I stayed at random people's houses all the time. I, I mean, just so many freaking cool stories that I wouldn't have had. Uh, you know, you ever see the Jim Carrey movie? Yes, man. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was a lot like that where it, it was like, I had to tell myself like, don't say no just do it. And, you know, I had some weird experiences. I had some kooky experiences, uh, but I had a lot of great experiences meeting all these people. And, you know, so that's what the cross country trip turned into being. It wasn't about the skateboarding anymore. It was about my experience. And I, I wrote a book about it and I did all that. And, um, you know, that was, that was very cool. Right. Um, do you have any stories that stick out that you could tell now that would would be that you have ready on the fly. I don't want to put you on the spot like that. Yeah. I mean, dude, there's, there's a million stories. I tell a lot of them often, but, uh, in, if you've ever taken a look at my book, um, there's, there's this, uh, chapter called the ballad of, uh, Sir Badger O'Boyle. And, uh, so basically (laughs) I was, I was cold in Wyoming. I was cold, cold, cold. And, I just was not doing well at all. And so I had gotten out of a hitch 
and just dropped on the side of the road, totally fine. And I'm skating on this highway that I probably shouldn't have been on. And this guy, this beat down pickup truck pulls over is got a white beard white as snow white hair he's got suspenders on uh you know looked like he was like on it from a train or something like that and he screens over pulls over er, comes to a stop he goes because you look like you need a beer a shower and a steak and i was like does it have to be in that order and he's like he's like nope come on in and so i was like yeah sure let's <laughs> Let's go. And so I jumped in his car. He took me to his trailer park on the side of the highway in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And, uh, you know, so I got in his car. He took me to his he took me to his trailer and, you know, it's an RV. And he, he tells me, oh, uh, yeah, I just got out of prison for second degree murder. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. OK, well, tell me the story. I was like, give me a beer. Tell me the story. And so I'm sitting down with this guy and. I'm drinking, he's drinking, we run out of beer, we get in the car, and he's drunk, I'm driving to the car with him, and and I'm like not drunk yet, but we pick up more beer, we get some food, and I'm like, oh shit, this guy's like actually nuts, and uh, you know, just the way he was acting in public, he takes me back to the place. I get so drunk. We're do, we're literally arm in arm, like like it was like a movie, arm in arm with each other, singing songs like these Irish old drinking songs that I had to learn. And we're going over and over. He's telling me stories of his past, and I'm telling him stories of mine. And he's like, "Oh, I never met someone like you before." And I, it was just so crazy. I woke up the next day, and it was a storm, like a like a real storm. And he was like, "Oh, I guess you have to stay again." <laughs> it's like, "Oh shit, I guess I do." And uh, you know, so I basically spent the whole day trying to like navigate this new relationship with this with this strange, strange man. And uh, the next day he was like, well, you can stay again. I was like, no, no, dude, I've got to go. I've got to go. And I left right from the trailer park and I left out of there. But, you know, that was he was a murderer. He wasn't a murderer. He was in the room, the same room as someone who was murdered. I don't know the whole story, but <laughs> <Sounds like you're laughs> it was <the> <laughs> It was sketchy. It was sketchy. And uh, it was funny. But there was a lot of experiences like that. And uh, I wouldn't have had them had I just been skating with my head down the whole time. Sure. Yeah. I love how your response to him telling you he was just released for second degree murder was, all right, hand me a beer. Tell me the story. <laughs> yeah. Gone this far. Yeah. Like, you got me in your yeah. trailer park. I might as well stay. I- you know, I, I think I'm pretty situationally oblivious. Uh, I think that I would do pretty poorly traveling in like a foreign country, um, you know, because someone would be like, oh, you know, come down this alleyway. We have cool wares for you to check out. It'd be like, oh, great. I'm also holding out a thousand dollars in cash. You know, like I'm just that kind of person. And uh, I don't know if it's being too trusting or just being too stupid, but uh, it's ended me up in situations like that. Well, I mean, that's a great story to have, honestly, like. And it goes to show that, like, even someone who <laughs> was arrested for something like that isn't a bad, like, maybe not a bad person, right? Like, oh, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. know I the mean, story, let's... and they helped you out, right? So, like... Yeah, I, I'm the last person to give the, uh, the American judicial system any sort of, um, you know... Uh, commendation or, or, or any kind of like praise, you know? So, you know, when I hear, Oh, I was put in jail for a second degree murder. I'm like, yeah, I bet the judicial system was wrong and, and you weren't even uh, doing it. You know, my first thought is, you know, screw, screw the government, you know, <laughs> give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Everyone gets the benefit of the doubt in my eyes. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, but yeah, that cross country trip, you know, 
is a big deal. It sounds like, you know, you, you again, set out with expectations and like immediately learned that, you know, maybe you were wrong about a couple of things and then had yeah. this adventure you didn't expect to have. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, it was an ordeal. It was, uh, you know, I had to plan like extensively, like, uh, and, and I had to be able to adjust on the fly extensively because my initial goal was to follow sort of the trans America route, right. Which is a cycling route that goes across the country. Some of it is gravel. Some of it is off road. So, and some of it just goes over massive mountains. So you can't really skate it hundred percent. But my goal was to kind of dance around it. And, uh, you know, so, but I had to adjust on the fly because, you know, I was going through the Grand Tetons and Yellowstone and it was like, oh shit, it's the winter. I probably can't go through that way. So I had to make all these adjustments and go through Idaho Falls and kind of dance around the Tetons and stuff like that. And, um, you know, so being able to to route, make the route, skate and be situationally aware of the map and where you are on the map was a skill that I had to pick up along the way because, you know, also keep in mind when I had done this cross country skate, I had never even slept outside in a tent by myself before. I had never even gone really camping before. I had never even, uh, the most I'd done is, is an out and back skate across every state line. So, you know, I had this big hunk and backpack on my back with way too many things. And I was just out there. I was just doing, it. I just thrust myself into the middle of it. And, uh, you know, so I had to learn a lot of lessons along the way. Mm -hmm. You said you had a, uh, way too many things in your bag. What were some things that you wouldn't recommend people bring or that you brought that were not mm. necessary, not useful? Yeah. Well, you know, so I had, uh, two filtration, water filtration systems. Both of them failed on me due to my, my own incompetence or whatever. Um, I also had, uh, I had like a big thick sweatshirt that I didn't need. I had, uh, like a 40 ounce hydro flask. I mean, just those things alone, that's like three pounds, you know, and, uh, you know, every pound adds up and, um, you know, I, I, I also carried makeup with me at the time. I was really trying to assert my, uh, my, my, my gender affirmations or whatever I, I, I carried, uh, and, and I didn't carry food. So I like forewent all of my cooking gear, which I ditched on the first day. And I, uh, you know, I said, oh, I'm just going to eat at restaurants all along the way. And, you know, so I carried just a lot of crap. I had a zero degree sleeping bag that was like four pounds. Um, my tent was just some Amazon tent that was like maybe two pounds. I think I, my base weight was probably about 20, 25 pounds. So with water, I was, I was skating cross country with a 35 pound backpack on. So then you can kind of begin to see, you know, how this takes shape. You know, I, my back was heavy. My legs were tough to lift. And of course I only skate with one leg. So, you know, I was beating up my knee and it was like, somebody comes along with a car and says, Hey, you know, want me to get you over the mountain? I was like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll take that break. Why not? At that point, and, it's just the adventure. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, then when you come to, you know, 10 years later and I'm doing the, uh, the Appalachian trail, my base weight was six pounds. I basically walked around with like a drawstring backpack on the whole time. I didn't, I mean, you met me in Maine when I was doing my other skate and you know, my bag was tiny. It was very know? small. And, yeah. Yeah. So I had to uh, like learning how to be ultra light adjusted it. And that kind of, that kind of led me to, you know, all the education that I had to attempt later cross country skates. 
So what was in your your newest your newest bag or like your AT bag? Yeah, so in my AT bag I had my tent. Uh and that was my tent is only one pound. I had my sleeping bag, which weighs half a pound. Um well it's a quilt. It's a it's a down quilt, whatever. I had um a water filter, then I had, you know, just some food and snacks, and then I had I didn't even have a headlight. I, I mean I really I really had the base level of everything. You like, didn't even I, have a headlamp. I, yeah, no headlamp because because I have the Garmin Phoenix Seven X Sapphire Solar Watch, you know, whatever, and uh, it actually has a flashlight on the wrist. So oh. I was like, boom, no need for a headlight. Of course, I was wrong about that. I would ne- definitely not recommend getting rid of your headlight, but I didn't have a headlight. Um, but yeah, the bulk of what I carried was food, and I think that that's the way to do it. You know, a six pound base weight is pretty serious. Mm-hmm. What did you bring for food? So on the cross country skate, the, so on the first cross country skate, I ditched all of my food gear on day one. I just ate at restaurant to restaurant on the Appalachian um, on the Appalachian Trail. As I did it, I would carry four days of food. I would start out every day with a jumbo honey bun, which is four hundred and eighty calories. Uh, then I would have a protein bar for like kind of like a brunch, kind of like at eleven, and then for. And then I wouldn't eat lunch, and then I would eat some nuts or stuff along the way. And then when I camped, when I got to camp, I would just eat um, tuna, tuna and tortillas. And that was my oh. meal every day for about six months. And so I kind of I started getting really into the cost per calorie kind of camp. I don't know if that's a community or anything, <laughs> but uh, you know, doing calculations, you know, how can I spend the least amount of money to get the most calories? And uh, you know, so as you walk around the, the grocery store, you, I'm just walking around with the calculator, doing all this math, writing it down. And, you know, so the goal of a, of a, of a day of hiking is to get, uh, somewhere between two and 3000 calories per day, right? Cause you're going to burn just about that many, um, hiking anyways. So the goal was to get two to 3000 calories. So everything that I did came down to counting calories, counting the cost per calorie and making sure that my food didn't weigh a ton. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you need calorie dense foods that are really light um, and then, you know, spending the least amount of money so that you can continue hiking for the longest way. And then as soon as I finished the AT and I went into the next cross country skateboarding trip, um, I only carried breakfast and then I would eat at restaurants along the way. Okay. And you obviously can't eat at restaurants on the AT because you're in the woods most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the AT has this reputation of being easy only because you're really never without, you're never really out of reach of some kind of small town. But, uh, you know, these small towns, they make terrible food and it's, (laughs) it's an effort to get off the trail, hitchhike into town, eat, and then get back. So, you know, Every once in a while, there's like a big town that you like walk through, you know, like Damascus, Virginia, you, the trail goes straight through the town. So like, there's like a subway on the trail, oh, you cool. know, so sometimes that would happen, but for the most part, you just try and avoid going into town. Cause it was just such a logistic hell, you know? Yeah. That sounds brutal. Like I've seen some of the trailheads that are along the AT mm-hmm. and it's like a nice parking lot or whatever. And sometimes there's like people there setting up to like. With like a booth of like snacks or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. They call that trail magic. Trail so magic. So that was that was something I learned. So you know, 
trail magic when you're hiking is when just some kind soul, someone who's probably done the AT in the past, or they see hikers and they just want to help out. A lot of church groups, just kind of just good people out there. You know, they, uh, they set up booths and they, and they just give away free stuff. And, and it's like, it's like, wow. You know, like (laughs) sometimes you just come out of a trailhead, it's a miserable hot day. And then someone could be sitting there with Mountain Dew cans and, you know, whatever, like slices of cake. And you're just like, holy shit, like this is the best thing ever. And so, so we call that trail magic. So thinking back to, you know, my first cross country skate, you know, trail magic was the form of people just driving by and be like, you look like you need something. Can I give it to you? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, so then, you know, we'll get into my uh, my latest cross country adventure, but uh, trail magic was not allowed. So that was one big thing about it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. You were talking about doing it more like an FKT. Yes. Um, yeah. So I guess anything else on on sort of this east to west trip you did, where you know you set out to skate the whole thing. You said you you've never skated with a support car. However, you were open to saying taking a ride somewhere just because like. Who cares, right? You're just on an adventure, right? Um, right, yeah. So I don't, I don't like to, uh, you know, it's all semantics, really. But you know, I don't say, oh, I skateboarded across the country when I did that east to west trip. You know, mm-hmm. I, I had a skate adventure across the country. Right. You know, like I said, it's just semantics. It doesn't matter. But um, you know, to be fair, I did not skate every fabulous mile. You know, so that was kind of the motivation for me to you know, do more adventures and do every fabulous mile in other trips. You know, when I cycled across the country in 2018, that was an every fabulous mile bicycle trip. Um, my Florida rides have been every fabulous mile skateboarding up and down the state of Florida, uh, the Appalachian trail, I hiked every single mile. And Mm -hmm. so that was kind of, you know, I did the adventure thing and then I really wanted to get serious with other trips. Yeah. And I guess to be fair, right. Some of the adventures you had, (laughs) uh, you know, getting a ride somewhere it sounds like that was just as ballsy as skating at times right like <laughs> sure, being able to yeah. like accept people's help like it's not it, it's actually like not something everyone's open to do not just because they have their head down on their thing it, they might be afraid to like interact with strangers yeah. you know and like i think that's part of the culture in today's world where like we are very closed off we don't really interact with i don't even know oh, my yeah. neighbors you know like Right, Which right. Is weird. Well, think about this. You know, so that was eight years ago, right? That was eight years ago when I began that trip, and eight years ago, uh, you know, was a very contentious time in American politics. You That's know, so I'm, true. I'm a, I'm a young transgender individual, just putting makeup on and looking like an absolute fairy, skateboarding across the country, and you know, people in these random red voting, uh, you know particularly right-wing states they're stopping picking me up and having the time of their life you know <laughs> meeting meeting with me we you know every single person i met had a we, we walked away with good experiences uh but it was but i i would agree with you that it was kind of ballsy for me to just start jumping into cars and stuff and uh you know you know what was going on in the world at that time there was massive wildfires i wrote all, all this in my book which is why i remember but uh you know there's massive wildfires all around the country there was uh donald trump becoming president there was uh you know a huge gun debate and, and, you know, so I ended up in these political um, contemporary event discussions with lots and lots and lots of people all along the way. 
And I kind of just, I found that to be sort of a uh, defining trait of the whole trip was, you know, the, the, um, the politics of, of people and, and all that. And I, I learned quite a lot, you know, I, I learned to open up my, my, my mind to how they see, see things, you mm-hmm. know, it's kind of like, you know, you, you know, why, why would someone think the earth is flat? Well, probably because they live in Nebraska because it's flat. <laughs> you know? It makes sense when you look outside in Nebraska. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, but so that was, so yeah, that was kind of ballsy. And so that it, it made it its own adventure, it, but uh, probably not something I would do now that I'm 32 years old. I don't know if I would, uh, you know, jump into every car now, but on the AT, I, I jumped into a lot of random cars That's wild. to get into town and stuff. Yeah. That was eight years ago. Like that feels like such a long time, eight years, but it, I remember <laughs> it, you going on the adventure. Like I remember 2016. <laughs> like, 2016 uh, feels like yesterday, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. COVID took so many years out of it. It wasn't even COVID. It was just time. Time's been moving quicker lately, you know? It, I agree with you. <laughs> I agree with you. Uh, but yeah, I want to make sure, is your book still available? Can we plug it? Is it? Um, it's not still available currently, but I'm, you know, going through my own life things, but I, I'm going to make a website eventually and the book will be free when I get it back up. If you want a copy of it, uh, I could totally just email it to you. Just reach out to me on, um, on Instagram or something cool. and just, and I'll totally just send it to you in a Google drive link. If you want to check it out. Yeah. I, uh, I, I raised money to, to print that book. I think I raised like $1,800 to, to print that book. I printed a hundred copies. Um, everybody got a signed copy who, who did it. And then I think I had maybe like 20 copies left and they've just been given out over the years. Um, you know, cause I published that in 2019, which was six years ago. Yeah. Whatever. I'm not very good at math apparently, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I gave those out. So there's not physical copies left, but if you want to check it out, you want to read the book, there is, uh, um, digital copies. Very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, let's talk about the, the latest trip you went on though. North, you kind of went North to South this time. You started at the very edge of the main Canada border, right along the coast though. So like not the very tip tip of Maine for those wondering mm-hmm. or who know geography. Uh, so you basically <laughs> followed the coast down all, all through Maine and then, um, continued on. So you want to, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so a big thing for me when I was hiking the AT was what's next. Um, you know, I, I didn't have a job. I didn't have a partner. I didn't have, you know, very good relationship with my family. Didn't really have anywhere to go after finishing the ATs. And as I started getting towards, you know, Massachusetts and New Hampshire and Vermont, I'm like, uh, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Um, you know, cause this trip is ending, what's coming next for me. And I, and I kind of made the decision that I was going to, uh, skateboard from the Canadian border down to Key West and do a real full skate cross country. And, um, you know, there was a lot of motivation for that. And, and I think that being exposed to the hiking community, uh, really kind of solidified my interest in doing it because the hiking community has something called an FKT, the fastest known time. And, you know, these are people who are, they're, they're crazy people. They're, they're absolute madmen and, and mad women, whatever. But they, uh, you know, these people, they, they set out with just their backpacks and they'll do 50, 60 miles a day hiking on the Appalachian trail and finish the trail in two months 
something that took me six months, you know, and, uh, and I was just inspired. I was just blown away. And, uh, you know, so I was like, well, how can we take those rules of the FKT and how can we apply them to skateboarding? Because I think that skateboarding distance skateboarding has a record keeping problem. And I think that, uh, you know, we as a community need to, you know, cause going back to where we were talking about main characters and, you know, people who pop up out of nowhere and they're just like, I'm going to break the record, you know, or, or I'm going to skateboard across the country. And it's going to be, I'm going to be the first, you know, disabled woman, with three fingers that's going to skateboard across the country, you know, you know, whatever, any specialized group that anyone can find, you know, I'm going to be the first of this type of person to do it, you know, great, good for you. But also, you know, let's, how can we say it's a record if we don't have any standardized rules that can be repeated? How can we say that you skateboarded across the country the fastest if the route that you did isn't even a route? How can we do it if you didn't post all of your times of going over and over? If it's not recorded and nobody can repeat it, is it really a record? So hmm, this, that's a good this question. kind of... Yeah. So this kind of dug into my head a lot as I was skating or as I was hiking. And because the FKTs are very, very, uh, you know, laid in rules, Um, you know, like so to do a self-supported FKT, you can't even have friends rooting for you at a trailhead. That's considered moral support. You can't have any support of any kind. Um, you know, there was a girl who hiked and she started with her friend. They were supposed to do a, a they were both supposed to get the record. But one of the friends got injured along the way. So the other friend continued on and finished the hike, but she didn't get the self-supported record. She got a supported record because she had that moral support for half of her hike with her friend. And so they, they're very serious about these rules and they take it, they take it very seriously and it, and it really helps with record keeping. So when someone says, I just did the Appalachian trail in 50 days and they have a GPX record for everyone to go over. We know it's not spoofed. They have, uh, you know, pictures and videos along the way that says, hey, you know, we're actively doing it. And then they they have their times and they have all the rules that were met because people were watching them and tracking them. Then we can legitimately go, you know, congratulations, you did it. But in the distance skateboarding community, what do we have? We have Ultrascape really as our only true record kept event. You know, we have marathons, but, you know, the you know Gray's Lake in uh in, in Des Moines, Iowa is gonna be extremely different from um you know the 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 marathon in San Diego, mm-hmm. uh Adrenalina. You know, they're two completely different routes, even though they're both marathons. And you know, someone could tell you, you know, oh the ups and downs don't matter because they even out at the end, but still it makes for a different race. So, you know, are you gonna consider a marathon race uh the same? in every single location, or do we have just one marathon race? So for me during the hiking, I was thinking about this a lot. And so three days after finishing the Appalachian trail, I descended from, uh, I descended from Katahdin, hitchhiked into town, stayed at the hotel. Three days later, I was at the Canadian border ready to skate. I had two watches on my hand. One was going to track the entire skate. And then the other watch was going to track my daily skates. And then I had Paul Kent and, uh, and I had Lena from, um, melanin cac and uh you know they were both looking in at my you know how i was doing every day uh to make sure that i was being honest about this so i wanted to track every hour every mile beautifully so that somebody could come along so even even if i wasn't the fastest or even if it wasn't whatever i was building a route that could be redone 
And that was, that's the dream for me is, you know, same thing with like the relay skate across the country, you know, that Jack and Andy and Miles, Rick and Paul did, you know, great skate, absolutely amazing. But, you know, I still hold a little bit of issue with the record keeping in general. Uh, I just think that, you know, there, we don't, as a distance skateboarding community, I don't think that we have the tools or the hub available that's keeping track of all this stuff. So if we take it all the way around, you know, the, the, the name through skating, right. You know, it's an awesome adventure. It's something very, very cool that we want to inspire a lot of people to do. And, uh, you know, as a community, we now need roots that these people can do. So I set out, that was my goal. My goal was to set out to create an imitable route that people could do to set records on that went completely across the country from the tip of Canada to the end of Key West. So that was my goal. Um, and I failed at my goal. So I started in Canada and over the course of 11 days, I made it to New York. So I skated all of New England. I did, uh, 620 or 30 miles. Um, and I did it in about 240 hours. Uh, it's all tracks. It's all out there. But um, the goal was to go all the way down to Key West. But So I didn't make it, but I, I learned a lot in the process about record keeping. And I learned a lot in the process about, you know, what I wanted for, you know, the genre of through skating. Because that's where my roots are. My roots are in skateboarding across state lines, skate, skateboarding across the country. Uh, you know, I've skateboarded up and down uh, the state of Florida three times. So it interests me to want to kind of take helm of this and create, you know, to set an example. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted uh -huh. to set an example. You know, I want to do more of that. <laughs> yeah. I think it was quite the undertaking of you to like do that. Right. And the logistics alone of having two watches sounds like a pain. Like what happens if you accidentally stop the one that's not supposed to stop the whole time, you know, like that would, that would suck. And, um, yeah. So I commend you for, for attempting and like, 600 miles in 10 days is crazy you said 240 hours you said 11 days but 240 hours is more like 10 days that's wow, a that's wild pace some fast math um <laughs> uh yeah it was it was about i think the 11th day i did five miles and i quit right so um but yeah yeah i was keeping a great pace i my goal was to do 55 to 80 miles a day uh, which was ambitious, but I was also feeling like I was in my physical prime. I had just finished the AT, you know, literally three days before. And, uh, I was into it. I was, I was feeling pretty hot. And, um, but yeah, 55 to 80 miles a day is not easy. No, not easy at all. Not at all. I can barely do an 80 mile skate on the weekend, you know, like that's brutal. I'm, I'm out for like, at least that night I can't do anything. Right. And like, uh, I had saw you, I saw you after like a 60, 70 mile day or something. And, you know, we made yep. pizza, yeah. we had like drank some beer and we just kind of hung out and like, you seemed fine. You were obviously tired, but like, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it wasn't that even that I was tired. I, crazy. I think, I think it was more that I was like anticipating the next day. You know, mm -hmm. that was kind of always what it was. It was, it was never that I was tired. It was that I was always dreading the next day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How could you not though? I don't know, 50 mile days. That's so crazy. Every day, day yeah. in, day out, just slogging away. Yeah. And, you know, Maine, where I started, I started in the town of Callis, Maine, uh, which is, you know, 
it's the only reason I started in Calais, Maine was because that's where the East Coast Greenway begins. So uh, the rules of an FKT are that it needs to be a popular route. So you can't just make up a route and be like, oh, you know, I just walked on the road for, you know, 20 miles. You FKT. Know, do that. So, <laughs> yeah, right. FKT of walking down Highway 9, you know, whatever. So the so for me to make a popular route in skateboarding was to make use of the East Coast Greenway. And so that was what I did. So, and that begins in Calais and ends in Key West. Um, so leaving from Calais was just, it was, it was amazing. The, the, the pavement was pristine. It was like beautiful. And then there's these rolling hills and the, the landscape was great. And, uh, you know, then when I ran into you, I was coming into the end of Maine, you know, cause you're, you're sort of, close to the new hampshire border over there and uh you know so i was coming off of this high of uh of 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 beautiful pavement and amazing and rewarding skate i was doing you know i was keeping an excellent pace and all that stuff and then it was like as soon as i left and i got into massachusetts it was like oh have you ever seen bad pavement before and (laughs) then it was like then i got into rhode island and it was like wow everything is a trail and it's beautiful again and then it was like and connecticut says go after yourself, you know, (laughs) Connecticut was, was like a a beat down for me. And, uh, yeah, but I still kept my pace. Like I, I had my goals. I was really, really motivated for that. So the pavement changed by state, which is, uh, I guess you might expect, but like, what do you, why do you think that is? Do you think the state like just doesn't care or was it, was it more of like the route you took in each state was, was different and like they just didn't have well, the trails yeah well i mean different governments have different uh rules about you know what to do with the with the the roads you know mm-hmm. obviously but uh so the route in maine like that's the like that's the east coast greenways bread and butter you know so they routed that to be on perfect pavement the whole time okay. you know they they chose the roads massachusetts you know so then when you get into new hampshire new hampshire is just like riding on glass there's a beach to your left everything's amazing and it's like but but you're only in new hampshire for 15 miles and then massachusetts is like is like all right you got to do some work because the the bread and butter of massachusetts is getting into boston and kind of tiptoeing along that way so that you can get to rhode island and you know massachusetts just gets destroyed it's not it's on open roads then you get into boston and there's like a crosswalk every 50 feet and you know it just became a logistic hell you know stoplights go stoplight go and you know you're in the city for the first time and it was just kind of like tough and then uh and then connecticut connecticut's the first so it's east coast greenway but connecticut's the only state where the east coast greenway does not hug the coast and in my routing, I wanted to keep with the East Coast Greenway, so I followed it. But what I wish I did was actually just keep going on the coast uh, because, you know, coasts have better pavement because mm-hmm. you have tourism dollars that go to waterfronts. And, uh, you know, if, if you go more inland, you're going to find rural towns that probably don't really give too many shits about the, the pavement quality, yeah. you know. And that was like – that was something that you could just kind of witness as you start heading more south. And – um you know, so Connecticut was hills, rolling, rolling hills, just some terrible, terrible areas. And then I spent the whole time wishing that I was just on the coast. And, you know, when it finally came to the end, it was like, yep, I just got my ass handed to me. <laughs> Way back in the day in high school, I read Bill Bryson's Into the Woods or whatever, Walk in the Woods, whatever it's called, where he does the Appalachian Trail. And the one thing that stuck out to me was how he says, 
um, like they, he'd go back into the city or like some sort of built up area where there's a bunch of Walmarts or something. Right. And it would like make him sick because he had been in the woods for so long. He got used to that. And like seeing this like metropolis, you know, whatever he saw would be like, Oh, that's, that's gross. You know? So I'm wondering, did you have any moments like that after being on the AT and then doing this skate, you finally get to like Boston, right? Was it ever just like, fuck this? Like, why does this even exist? You know, like, do you ever have any moments like that? Yeah, 100%. I mean, keep in mind, I live in a van now. You yeah. know, like, I, <laughs> I, I did not readjust into society very well. Um, uh, one thing is that everybody smells. Everybody stinks. They all smell like detergent and perfumes all the time. It's like, it's like this horrifying thing, like just walking along the trail. And then all of a sudden I could, I could smell you from like, like 50 feet away, hundred feet away. I could smell you and your, your, your putrid stink of Tide and, <laughs> and, and bleach and lavender, whatever the hell you put in your washing machine. It smells terrible. And it's so strong. And, and, you know, you come into a town and you just, you just get overwhelmed by that. It, and, and that was like the biggest thing, you know, going through Maine on the skate, I would come, I came into, um, Portland, Maine, and that was like kind of a deviation for me. So I went into Portland, Maine and I sat at this, uh, this Asian restaurant and, uh, I'm looking around. There's like people wearing turtlenecks. There's people with their thick rimmed reading glasses on and they're all cozy <laughs> drinking a coffee, having themselves some ramen, you know, maybe a beer with brunch, you know, whatever. And I'm just like, man, you all, you all suck. Like, what are you doing with yourselves? I'm, <laughs> I'm working over here. You know, it was like, it was, it was cra this crazy experience of just being like, I don't understand you people. You know, I, I just really don't, you know, like, and, and you know, other times you come into a town, uh, uh, something notable sticks out to me is uh, the town of Marion, Virginia. Uh, that place is a rotting hellhole. You know, it was, it was weird, you know, because on the trail, everybody's beautiful on the trail. You know, everybody's, everybody's working. They're, they're glowing from sweat and everybody's working tough and everybody's happy with all the endorphins that they make. And then you come into the town of uh, Marion, Virginia, and it's, it's, it just smells like it's rotting from the inside, right? It's like uh, you, you go into a Walmart, and, uh, you know, the people that they're, they're veterans walking with limps and they, they have poor health care and, uh, and then you, you meet stray cats and you're just like, like, how does, how does society end up like this to where like the sick aren't getting healed, the, the, the infrastructure is not allowing, is, is creating a, a home for stray animals and, uh, and every single storefront was closed. There's like six storefronts in a row that were just closed. And it's like, obviously this town is failing mm -hmm. and, you know, and you, you start to see the societal collapse that's happening in these, these rural middle of nowhere towns, just people who are beaten down on their luck. They don't really have a say in what's going on in their life. The economy is beating in this shit. And then they sit and they rot and they fester in all of this. And it, and it emanates from the town and in both visually and, uh, in smells but so like you come in and you just see all that and you hear it and it's and it's like a really disappointing experience but i think that what bill bryson was kind of saying was like along those lines is just what a jarring thing to take in as you're coming out of the woods which are always beautiful you know yeah, yeah you go from these natural like eternally you're in this this world that just looks nice. It looks normal, right? Cause mm -hmm. it's just trees and growth and nice trails. Yeah. Or maybe not nice trails, but like good enough trails. And like 
the people you meet are just like you, right? You're in the same sort of mindset, right? And like, I do think it's funny that you said people smells when you, when you come down, right? Cause like, you yeah. know, I've walked by some through hikers before and I've been like, hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I've had to learn how to put deodorant on. Uh, cause I, I didn't wear deodorant from March until November. You but know? it does make so, you wonder, right? Like how natural is it? I mean, people might question it, but how natural is it to wear deodorant? Like, Oh, it's not natural at all. I'm the number one proponent against deodorant, but some people think I smell offensive. So, you know, I put right. it on but when, that, I, that's when just I'm it. interacting like, Offensive <laughs> like is, is a, is an ambiguous thing, right? It's subjective to the person who's offended. It's not yeah. like... <laughs> can a smell actually be offensive? Because you were describing perfumes and lavender as being offensive, which right, yeah, you know, might an not... affront to my nostrils. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, sm- smells are a funny thing. Like, I guess it just depends on the person. But I do like I like that perspective you gave of like um, your smells are offensive too. You know, like <laughs> not you, right, like right. you saying that to like other people who like really feel the need to um smell a certain way and right right it, and it, you know you can always kind of pick out the uh the couples you know so the guy who's trying to impress the girl they're walking in the woods guys probably never walked before in his life there's there's, <laughs> there's one of these guys for every 10 miles there's one of these guys walking with a girl he doesn't look like he belongs uh and you know and he stinks he stinks like 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 he he washed his clothes he put on his cologne and he was like i'm gonna date that girl and there, there's one every 10 miles a couple and there it's like the first date syndrome uh-huh. and you know luckily they're freaking outside because yeah. if they were out at a dinner there's no way she wouldn't smell them you know it's like it's like how, how i don't know i, I just think people just use too much they use too many things too much in general uh i think that being an adventurer in the way that i have has kind of led me to be as minimalist minimalist as possible so in terms of smells and uh and and like cleaning stuff you know like i shower of course i shower you know these guys trust me i shower but um (laughs) (laughs) you know like i i have to i i take it in a very different way. Some people shower every day and I think that's nuts. You know, there's women who like shampoo and, uh, and condition their hair every single day. That's crazy. That's crazy. People just think that they need things that they don't deodorant shampoo. It's like, it's all soap. It's all soap. You know, whether you're, whether it's body wash or a bar of soap or shampoo or it's conditioner, it's all freaking soap. Just put soap in your hair, put soap in your body, clean it off, be done with it. You don't need all these smells and all these things like, you know, if someone's getting close to you, close enough to you, to where you need to impress them with your smells, uh, you know, maybe you should work on yourself first. You know? <laughs> work on your personality a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, like, so towards the end of my Appalachian Trail hike, right, I had, um, I had split from the people that I was hiking with uh, for pretty much like four fifths of the entire trail, and. Uh, so I, I was completely alone for the last like 500 miles of trail and, uh, I had my super light backpack, but I was like, you know, I would hike all day and then I, and then the sun was setting sooner. So I would have more time at camp at nighttime. And so I was like, man, I really got to occupy my time, you know, and I didn't have any luxury items or anything. My luxury item was my phone. You know, I just, I had the bare bones, only what I need and nothing more. And, uh, 
so I, I actually ordered myself like a, like a, a video game controller so that I could play video games on my phone with my controller. And, you know, I had other, con- and then I started kind of building up pure luxuries. And, you know, sometimes it's okay to have a luxury, uh, you know, in those instances, but, um, you know, then there's people who are like, I, I can't get up and hike without a cup of coffee. And it's like, sir, that's called drug addiction, you know? And <laughs> so many coffee drinkers just heard that and they're like, I can't do my day without coffee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, luxuries that people have, you know, they, they vary in a lot of different ways, but you know, you got to kind of find your middle ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, you touched on something that's separate from, you know, skateboarding or not, but like the whole caffeine addiction thing is real. You know, Starbucks is a glorified drug dealer and, uh, (laughs) you know, but at the same time, you know, people will smoke cigarettes, do vaping, they'll, they'll, and then they'll have a coffee, all legal drugs, you know, nicotine and caffeine, they're legal drugs, um, you know, and they, they need them. They, they absolutely need them. And, uh, you know, I never drank coffee until I skateboarded across the country the first time. And I, I will never forget it. I was in, uh, just some small town in Oregon and, uh, they were like, Oh, here's how you use the coffee maker. And I was like, I don't really need coffee, but they made the coffee in front of me. So I was like, well, I'm not going to let this coffee go to waste because they just made me some coffee right in my room, right in front of my face. So I drank it. And then, I kind of had to learn, you know, coffee, kind of like tea in other countries is portrayed in, um, in movies. I've never been really to any other country, but, um, but you know, the way that tea is portrayed, you know, you walk at the door, Oh, would you like some tea? I kind of learned that coffee was this way that even if you're not in it for the drug, you know, it's this social experience, kind of the same way that weed is this social experience. Mm -hmm. Um, the AT is, is, uh, is a lot of the same, um, you know, with people who, once they learn that making coffee every single day is a freaking hassle, you know, going into town for a coffee is like this big luxurious deal. And, you know, okay, we'll go get your coffee, you little drug addict, you know, it's fine. And, you know, so we kind of do these things. Uh, but it's a, it's a very social thing that I had to learn to adjust to. Right. I think, uh, you know, you, you kind of made me think of something as you were saying that, where you're talking about being like, a, like the movie, yes, man, where he says yes to everything. That's like, the whole premise of the movie and you were kind of embodied that when you're on your trip, people ask you if you need help. Yeah, sure. I'll hop in your car and take me away. Yeah. You know, murderer <laughs> or whatever. But like, um, what do you think about saying no? Like sometimes you kind of have a vision and someone comes along. Like for me, if, if someone made me coffee, I'd be like, I'm not drinking that shit. <laughs> like I don't want it. So <laughs> no, thank you. And, uh, yeah, like I don't, like I, I've definitely learned the value of saying no. People who know me know how stubborn I can be. Um, so maybe I'm more more need to learn the value of the yes part. But like, what do you sure. think about about like just being like no? Like I'm actually like, have you experienced any of that? Like on your adventures and stuff? Oh, of course. I mean, I mean, saying no is setting boundaries for yourself. Setting boundaries for yourself is very, very good. Um, you know, take, take the, the, the drug out of the context, you know, Hey, can you, uh, work on this website for me? No, I can't. I'm busy where in the past I'd be like, yes, anything for you, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, but it's, you, you have to learn how to say yes and no, like for yourself, you know, so saying no. So like when you're, so when I was skate on my last 
skate trip where I went from Canada to New York, uh, I was very much in this mode where I just wanted to be left alone. I did not want to talk to people. I was on a mission. I did not care about meeting people. I didn't care about anything. Um, you know, people would ask me what I'm doing. Eh, you know, shut up. Don't talk to me. <laughs> you know, like, hey, that's an awesome skateboard. Yeah, great. Go fuck yourself. You know, like that was kind of like my attitude about all of it. I, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to, you know, and, and there was a lot of people, you know, the East Coast Greenway goes through every major city on the East Coast. So, you, I kind of had to come to this, you know, you know, people are texting me and messaging me the whole time as I'm doing it. And they're saying, Hey, you know, you can come to my place or can I meet up with you? Can I bring you anything? And I had to say, no, 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 no. Like leave me the alone. Right. Like I don't, I don't want to. And, you know, cause I, I was just, I was in a dark place. I was in, I was in my own head space and I didn't want to have to engage with all these people all the time and, you know, have that coffee situation. Uh, you know, so for me, it was healthy to say no in those instances, but because I've said yes, I think that, you know, for newer people coming on to, you know, these new life experiences, you know, I'm 32, uh, you know, I'm kind of realizing there's some people that I just don't want to engage with anymore, but for maybe somebody younger who's, you know, setting out into the world and trying to see what's up with people, you know, you should probably say yes more, but you know, you got to figure it out for yourself. Mm -hmm. For sure. So we're talking about FKTs, right? So back to yes. that sort of soul thing where it's like, you set out to do this thing, you're north to south, starting in Maine, going down. You, you set out to like, you know, set this standard for the FKT. And you just mentioned a bunch of people are hitting you up. They're, they're talking to you. They're asking you if you need help, asking you if they can ride with you. But the whole nature of what you're doing is is to ignore them, right? Like based yeah. on the, the standard that's been set by the hiking FKT is you, you can't respond to any of these, right? And um, right. The way you were being monitored by like Paul and uh, Lena was they were just looking at your stats, right? They weren't actually talking to you. Right. They were not talking to me. Me and Paul talked at length about what makes an FKT for skateboarding. But uh, but yeah, there was really no discussion. And, um, you know, one big piece of that was the, uh, the, the whole moral support thing that I brought up earlier. Um, you know, like, is it moral support if someone goes along your route and then cheers you on, you know, yes, but that's only because in the woods, you're really, really isolated. Like you're, you're like on the AT, like if somebody's in the middle of the woods coming to cheer you on, they did that, you know, that that's, that's very clearly coming to support you. But on the East coast greenway with skateboarding, like I said, you're going through every single major city. You're on main roads the whole time. There's guaranteed to be somebody who's pulling up in a car and says, Hey, do you need some water? And you know, if I said, uh, oh no, thank you. That's fine. But if I said, yeah, is that, did they support me because I didn't plan it? It's not my fault. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, they, they, they forced me in, in one way or another to take that support, you know? So you, there are some things between hiking FKTs and skateboarding FKTs, which we're calling F skate tees. Now, um, you, 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 there are some rules that need to be adjusted. And me and Paul had talked about this at length. That's, yeah, I think that's really interesting. The whole, like, I definitely have some contention with the whole moral support ruins the FKT, even for hiking. Yes. It doesn't really make sense to me because um, you're saying someone can't walk out there and support you, but if you don't know they're doing it and they do it anyway, 
But what about Trail Magic right. too, where there's someone just on a booth cheering you on? That's already there. He's gonna be gotta there. Walk, no got to rock right by him. Well, you walk no by him, but you. they still cheered you on. So is that not moral support? Like, it doesn't. Yeah, now you and, see the issue. Right, and like there's that. That seems like a huge issue to me, where it's like splitting hairs for no reason. Where it's like moral support can also be bad. Like if someone's cheering you on, that might not help you at all. Like, it, it's so <laughs> yeah, subjective yeah. and like. Did the trees give you moral support? Like, what if someone talks to trees? Right, right. Well, I, I could actually think of a, uh, so like, a, so when I was going through Massachusetts, you know, I'm from Massachusetts. I have, a, I have a ton of friends in Massachusetts and I had just been hiking for six months. And then I jumped into this skateboarding adventure immediately. I hadn't seen my friends in, in almost a year. And so I was like, as I was going through Massachusetts, I was like, I'm literally, my, my old house that I grew up in is on the East Coast Greenway. So I was like, am I really not going to go see my mom? You know, uh -huh. I haven't seen her in a year. Am I really not going to go see my friends? And so, you know, we kind of ruled. Uh, I mean, there's no organization to any of this. And there's no there's no written rules put out there. But, you know, in the in the effort of trying to, you know, create this FKT, F-skate T that I want to, uh, you know, we're making up things on the fly. But, you know, I just said, I don't even care if it's moral support because I think that because I'm I'm on I'm in your camp. I don't know if the moral support clause is going to really affect the outcome of the of the whole thing, you know. And and plus, how are we going to keep people entirely honest about that? And and so it's just it's a waste of everybody's effort when really we should be rooting people on and encouraging them to you know do the great things. So, I mean, like on the long trail, right? So the the FKT for the long trail, which is a um, however many miles, like. 300 something miles um that goes really remote through vermont from massachusetts border to canada and somebody did an fkt in four days from going from canada to massachusetts crazy this guy was that's nuts absolutely insane and uh he said that he constantly had to turn down uh trail magic along the way and like the trail for me as i did that one had a ton of cell service the whole way is getting an instagram message that says go you you know you can do it is that not the same <laughs> yeah. you know what if i just jumped on a video call with someone mm -hmm. is that not the same you know so i just think it's kind of a, a useless distinction but it does exist so in the creation of f skate t's going forward we're going to have to look at these rules on a different basis especially because on a skateboard you're on a road you're guaranteed to run into restaurants and someone's going to say something people. to you like there's no way around that Right, exactly. That's really cool, though. F, F Skate T is the name of this sort of uh, thing you and Paul yes. are working on. Right. So it was kind. Of, it's kind of like my dream baby as I was creating it. And you have sort of plans, probably after this big journey you're going on next, and maybe to like get a website going or something. Yeah. So, so I, I would like to kind of take the helm of this um you know f skate t kind of ordeal because distance skateboarding has been around for years and years and years but we don't have anywhere that has all of these records so you know talking about what 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 makes an f skate t you know this is how this is how organizations get born this is how uh you know the sport grows by you know creating standardized results you know so like with the ultra skate right like before you know it was james peters going out on alki beach and just freaking skating 
there was no rules created. There was no, there was, he, everything was just up to him to, with, to uphold these rules and tell people that this is what he did. And then going into what ultra skate is now, I mean, we're on a freaking NASCAR speedway with lap trackers and, you know, it's, you're, you're essentially in an oval cage, you know, you can't deviate from the route. You can't lie about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I, and I think that's wonderful. So now when someone else pops up and they say, Oh, I'm going to do an ultra skate. It's like, well, unless you hold yourself to the same standards that we've created over all of these years, it's not going to count because it, it shouldn't. Right. So like, you know, when I set out to do this first skateboard across the country, I was just choosing routes on the fly. I was just making shit up as I went along. And, uh, you know, can't have that because if, if a record is going to be broken, it has to be exactly the same. Things have to be the same. They have to agree with the same rules. So that's where the basis of all this comes from is if we're going to grow the sport, if we're going to grow distance skateboarding, we need to have healthy competition that agrees with each other. And that's all I want to create. That's all that I want to put out into the world. So with this last skate that I attempted to go cross country, it was going to be the longest route. I think it was going to be somewhere around 2,800 miles and it was going to be on a popular route and it was going to set a very clear basis. So it didn't matter how fast I went, no matter what, it would have been the fastest time across the country. And someone else would have had my full GPX route and all of the data that proves that, that I did it. So they could really go ahead and take that on and challenge it themselves. Right. Having it be repeatable, as you were saying before, seems like the most important part. Record it down Absolutely. And, and have it a map for someone else to follow so they can beat you. Right? Otherwise, there's no exactly. point. You just right. on, otherwise, you just yeah. run on an adventure. There's still a point, right? And even like if you're going to do your own ultra skate, there's still tons of value to that. And you will be, I don't know what the word, pra not praised, right? But like you will be... Um, recognized for for what you've done oh, yeah, it's just absolutely. not the same as miami and now we have two other ultra skates right that we've had dutch yes. for a while and like i think it's coming back maybe this year maybe next year uh but Ooh, then there's I the uk so. the london the one near london um yeah which seems pretty legit but it's also a different course right and both of those races agreed with the idsa on their rulings and, and their specific standards that they have to be held up to. Um, and, and, and that's important, you know, so, you know, even though the tracks are ever so slightly different in their own ways, you're still competing for that, the record. You're mm -hmm. still on that, that route. And, you know, it's the same thing with setting an FKT on the Appalachian trail, the route exists, but there's also thousands of people every year that just like me, just do it. You know, I wasn't going out there to set a record to do anything. I was just doing the trail. So if I create this route for skateboarding across the country, then someone else can come along and be like, oh, I'm just doing Callie's route and I'm just having fun, mm -hmm. you know, like, and that's great. That's perfect. Because now I've set out a route that's A, as safe as it can be as far as open road skating goes. And it's, uh, and, and B, they're, they're on something that kind of has a status. I think, you know, even though you, you didn't finish your North South thing, the, uh, the main portion you did is, is valid to me. And, and like, I'm going to look at that and think, oh, that could be a route. Like you and I even talked, like maybe we could do the main section as its own event where it was like this big right. through skate, right? 
where, you know, it, not as long as what you were setting up, but what was it like 200, 300 miles? Wasn't it something like that? Or no, it wasn't that far. To Maine, Maine to New Hampshire. How many miles was that? It was like, it was like 400. Was it really? It was a lot. Okay. Yeah, it was like a lot. And then the last half that I did was Mass was New Hampshire to uh, New York. Yeah, because I only did about 600 miles. Yeah, Maine was the hugest portion of it. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, so like doing a Maine section, doing a Massachusetts section. And so that's also what I tracked. I tracked what was my time to the Maine border? What was my time in New Hampshire? So these are existing records. So, you know, I do agree that I created something. I did the, the New England section, you know, like I've built the New England section of the first cross country skateboarding route, you know, like it, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, and at the same time, I also did 1000 kilometers. So, you know, did I inevitably or not inevitably, did I, uh, somehow un, unwittingly create a 1000 kilometer skateboard record that someone can come along and just sweep mm-hmm. you know like has anyone tracked this stuff before because when you track in the way that i tracked you create what we're talking about with imitable roots yeah that'd be so cool to have them like in one central location and people can kind of advertise their own or or like at least advertise creating their own right and like figuring out what they, yeah. they need to do to get it legit Right. And even doing this route, I mean, I, I think I texted you somewhere along the way. I was like, yo, 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 there's a sweet five mile loop that we could possibly host a route, like a race on. Yeah. And I kept finding these amazing, like in Rhode Island, Rhode Island was the Mecca of like flat, beautiful trails, like off-road trails. And I, I was like blown away by some of the stuff that I found. I was like, we should host races here, yeah. you know? And you know, so coming to think, you know, if I build this route, I advertise, get this route out to people, you know, then they can do their own sections along the route, the same way that people do sections of the Appalachian Trail. And, uh, you know, so I'm looking forward to getting back into that work and feeling better about myself about doing it. So, you know, that's kind of what uh, this next trip that I'm going to be doing is um, kind of about. Cool. Um, yeah, let's talk about it then. So, we got ultra skate coming up. Miami ultra skate is February 15th. It's, and you've got, you've got plans to sort of <laughs> not skate too old. You're going to skate past Miami and, uh, yep. do some sort of finagling to get back to Miami eventually. But, uh, tell us about your next adventure. Yeah. So when I was on the Appalachian trail, everything in my life right now revolves around the Appalachian trail. But when I was doing it, uh, I was like, I'm going to roller skate across the country. And, uh, you know, cause it's something I haven't done before. It's something I, have, I haven't attempted before. And, uh, and I want you to know, first of all, that's fucking crazy and it's never going to happen. <laughs> and, uh, but, but I became enamored with roller skates. So I used to be on a roller derby team, a couple of different roller derby teams. I love roller skating and roller skating for me is great because it's like, uh, a two-legged sport. So a lot of the distance skaters, they use two legs, they switch. Uh, I, every record, every skate I've ever done has only been one leg. And so, you know, that of course does come with some muscle imbalances and stuff like that. So roller skating is a way for me to just go and even that out. And I just love the feeling of it. So after I realize, you know, that's crazy to try and roller skate across that, that skate that I just did from Canada to New York, they could have been on roller skates, but I was like, that's crazy. I'm not doing that. Uh, did, I did that on the skateboard. And when I finished, I was like, well, I want to keep going. So, um, 
I want to bring roller skating more into my life. So I'm going to go and I'm going to roller skate the state of Florida, uh, which is something I've done Florida three times now. I've skateboarded from Miami to Jacksonville. I skateboarded from Jacksonville to Miami, and then I've done Miami to Jacksonville again on a skateboard. So this will be my fourth time now. Um, skateboarding the same route in Florida along Route 1 and Route A1A. Uh, this time it's going to be on the actual East Coast Greenway, but I'm going to do it on roller skates. And I think it will be easier because uh, Florida is flat. I think <laughs> I think it's going to be 523 miles, and there's going to be 600 feet of elevation what? for for the entire thing. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know that comes with some caveats. You know, like um, roller skating is very different from skateboarding because you, you, you can't really coast as well. So you're kind of always moving. So we'll see if that's a big challenge, especially being on the flat. Uh, but yeah, so. I'm going to do that. So I'm going to roller skate from Jacksonville to Key West. And then I'm going to go get my van, bring my van back down. And then I'm going to do ultra skate also on roller skates. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've done ultra skate now six or seven times. And my highest score is, uh, 251 and some odd miles. And, um, you know, I'm really proud of that. I think I still hold the course record at, uh, at Miami. And, um, but the last ultra skate I did two, three years ago, I think I skated until about like midnight and I was just like, I'm over it. I'm done. Uh, you know, like, and you know, we've seen other skaters do that in the past. You know, if conditions aren't exactly perfectly right, they'll just stop, uh, because they know they're never going to do as well as they wanted to. And so, I don't want to ditch the distance skateboarding community. You know, there's this, this community was the biggest part of my life for the last 10 years, you know, or what. And so it's like, how can I still skateboard, still be involved? Well, so instead of doing ultra skate on a skateboard, on the skateboard, now I'm going to be fo putting my focus into this F skate T kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, but I can still do ultra skate on roller skates. Let's see how far I can do it on roller skates. Cause right now, uh, I don't know what, I think that the record for roller skating is just whatever's been done during the past ultras, right? So it's probably like 130, 150 miles. I'll have to go back and check that. But so I want to go out and I want to see, you know, how how far can I do, how how far can I go on roller skates at ultra? You know, I, I'm I'm a hiker. I'm a skateboarder. You know, what's what's the translation to roller skating? So uh, so I'm gonna basically condition myself by doing this Florida skate and then going to jump into ultra and I'm going to see how I do. Nice. And for those who may not be as familiar with the geography of Florida, Key West is, is a, at least a hundred miles further than Miami. Is it not? Um, I don't know. I don't think it's a hundred miles. It's not. Hang I thought on. it was. I don't know. We stayed out in Key West one year for the event and it was like a really far, it was like a two hour drive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's also like this huge bridge that you have to, um, that you have to cross yeah. and I'm, I'm a little nervous about it. I'm a little nervous about it on roller skates. So I know Chip um, has done it. Chip Walter. Um, you could contact okay. him, ask him what his take. And then, uh, the Neasy boys, Gio and Nick have done it. Oh, they've done it. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's 166 miles from Miami to Key West. Okay. So you're absolutely right. So that's, that's a big portion of the trip, but yeah, so I'm going to begin in Jacksonville on the 1st of February, which will then give me 14 days to do it by roller skate. So that's 14 days to 
get from Jacksonville to Key West, take a plane back to my van, and then drive my van to Miami and then do Ultrascape. <laughs> okay. And your van right now is at Clark's. Yeah. So it's gonna be a uh, it's gonna be a whole thing. That that's yeah, that's gonna be quite the adventure, especially following it up with an ultrascape. Yeah, well, so I've done this before. So I've skateboarded Florida, and every time I've done it has been right before an ultra. Okay. So I, uh, you know, so I've done it with uh, Spencer Steelman, and, you know, they have um, joined me for the trip, and it was like this awesome experience for us. But then the other two times that I did it alone, I, um, it was always before an ultra. So that way it's just kind of like a last hurrah of, you know, has my training paid off? And, uh, you know, but this time it's a little bit different because, you know, I did the AT, I did the thousand mile, thousand kilometer skate to New York. And, but then I just kind of stopped, you know, I was pretty burnt out. I, I had taken a lot out of myself to do all that. And, you know, like, when I was hiking, I was doing 35 mile hiking days. And then I was, and then I went straight into doing 60 to 80 mile skateboarding days. I was just go, 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 go. And then when I stopped and I went back to my van and I was like, wow, there's nothing going on in my life. This is so weird. Uh, you know, I started eating bad again. I started falling into old habits, drinking a lot. And, you know, I kind of gained back all the weight that I lost. And I, and I, wasn't really doing too well. And, you know, that kind of leads me to where I am now. And, uh, you know, so now it's like, so I'm not in the shape that I was when I was doing that. So I need to get this Florida skate under my belt so that I can kind of fall in love with what I'm doing again. Yeah. Because, you know, at the, at the moment, you know, life is seeming pretty bleak, but I know that once I get under the sun, I get four wheels under my feet. I'm going to feel good again. And that's like, that's just how my life operates. So I'm looking forward to it. Those first, that first lap, like countdown goes down at ultra, you start skating. Like there is a feeling you get where you're like, oh yeah. Especially if you've been in the winter, like stuck in the winter weather for so long, maybe you haven't skated as much. Like it is, it is kind of crazy how it, it, you're, you're reminded why you come back right every year. And then Shortly right. after, you're like, why am I here again? <laughs> you know, like yeah, not yeah. four or four or five hours go by and you're like, shit. Like, I know. So I'm trying to hope, I'm, I'm hoping that I can do the ultra this year and, you know, be into it. You know, I, I, I haven't uh, done a 24 hour event in a long time. It's my last ultra was two years ago. I, I think it was the, the COVID ultra where there is like only so many people, but, um, so I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, I can, I can maintain a, a sense of positivity about what I'm doing and not just worry about outstanding factors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a great point. Like your men, your mental game is, is very important more so yeah. than even being ready physically. Like if you don't want to do it, if you don't feel like doing it, it's going to be a lot harder. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I gave up, I gave up at midnight and I had only done so many miles and I was just like, I'm, I'm freaking done. If you're, if your mentality isn't there, your physicality won't matter. Whereas if your mentality is there, you can do crazy shit. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, you know, fingers crossed for good weather, fingers crossed for no wind, but we'll see. Always. Yeah. Always hoping for great weather. 
it's yeah, we haven't had a great year. And I think since that 2021 year, that was one, was it really? one of the better ones, oh, the COVID no. year. Yeah. I blew it. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you blew it, but uh, yeah, it's tough. My last performance at Ultra was my worst, actually. And it was a lot of just like, yeah, I can't do this right now. Like I wasn't trained up for it. I wasn't mentally ready and kind of just went for the yeah. good time, but ended up right. being a little disappointed because, you know can always do more right when you're when you're sitting there you know you can always do more yeah oh my god i think that's the hardest part is just once you stop and then you see everybody going by it's hard to not feel bad about yourself like why did i stop yeah i don't know you got to take it in strides i guess exactly you know i mean and and that's kind of like the same thing with like giving up on not giving up but quitting the uh the, my last cross-country skate you know it was like i i stopped i jumped on a plane immediately was in was at my van and then i was like huh now what it was like i feel like i should still be moving i feel like i should still be hiking i feel like i should still be skating and i had to sit and watch the days go by where i wasn't doing that and it was it was an extremely isolating depressing and depressing experience and um you know like and the reason that i did stop that skate was because uh at some point in Connecticut, my, I can like just touching my, uh, like my Achilles, I can like feel it. It's like this horrible memory, but like my, my leg, my foot wouldn't flex anymore. So oh, I wow. was, I was basically skateboarding without bending my ankle. So I was tiptoeing and dragging my foot across. And so my performance, so if we're talking waking up at six in the morning, out the door at seven, it's still dark out. And then skating just dragging my toes because i can't get a full bend anymore because i don't know if it was tendonitis just overuse you know whatever um and then just dragging myself pulling myself along until the sun set and that really dug into my my mentality i i was really upset with my performance and i you know it, and and then it was boring it was boring i was going so slow and and i was just draining myself and i was like and, and something that I've always told myself is, uh, if you're not having fun, why do it at all? And, you know, that's, that's like a way to live my life. You know, like if you aren't having fun, why are you doing it? So I, uh, so then on one day I was leaving New Haven, Connecticut. So I was very close to the New York border. Uh, I was dragging my foot along tiptoes, couldn't bend my ankle. And I just one little damn ass rock and I hit it. And the board went shooting back uh, behind me. It went shoot, and we're talking seven, seven to eight in the morning, like close to New York car traffic that I'm skateboarding in. This board went flying backwards down a hill, nailed the bumper of some car. The whole traffic stops in the in the middle of this square, and I'm limping and running down the hill. And I'm like, oh, that's my board. That's my board. You know, I looked like a crazy person, you know. And uh, and so I pick up my board, and I'm walking up to uh i'm walking up the hill again and i'm just so demoralized like i just caused like a traffic thing i'm not i was only five miles in and it was already nine i was i was going at a pace that i probably could have walked faster and i sat down on this beach and i was just like i'm done like i'm not having fun i'm hurt uh you know i I still believe in the goal that I'm going for, you know, which is this F skate T thing, but, but I just don't think I can do it now. 
And, um, you know, so it felt like I left miles on the table. It like really dug into my brain and, uh, and I hated that. I hated that. So, you know, I do plan on doing that again. I do plan on creating that route, setting that route. Uh, but I think it needs, uh, to not be immediately after doing an Appalachian trail hike. I think I need to be in the right mindset for it. Uh, so the next time I do it, I will start again in Maine and, um, and I'll probably do it this year. I probably will do it this year, probably around the same time, okay, maybe cool. like end of September. And, uh, cause I, I want to create that route because it's something that nobody else has ever done before. Yeah. I think it, it's a great idea and doing the whole FKT thing and going back with the knowledge you have too, will, will be super helpful. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, the, the route is created. So I just need to, I just need to like do it. <laughs> That's like the one thing. One thing you said there, and uh, I guess before we wrap up, I just want to touch on, like you mentioned, you got back from the AT and you're like, well, I should be moving still. Like what I want to, what's next, you know? And I think that that whole feeling of like, all right, what now? Like, like I know I've felt that in many different parts of my life and I'm sure I've heard it mm-hmm. from a lot of endurance people, like uh, well-known ones and, and people I've had the pleasure of like interacting with myself. Right. Where it's like this like syndrome you feel where you've been going every day, every day, every day. And it, it's been feeding you dopamine. You don't realize it, but it has. And then you stop and you don't have that flow Yeah, and you think, yeah. Oh, well, I got to get back out there. But sometimes that's the worst thing for you. Right. And you just end up hurting yourself. Yeah. I, I've run into this depression a lot and you know, my first skate cross country, it was like, I got Giardia and you know, all of a sudden my, my skating days were shorter and my, uh, my hitchhiking days were longer. And then I just ended up back at my parents' house and I was like, and then I got a job at Best Buy and it was like, man, this sucks. <laughs> you know, it was like, this is a, this is a literal nightmare for me. And so five months later, because I was just so caught up in the, the what now I, I cycled across the country and, you know, I've had to keep doing stuff like this because it's the only way that I feel human. Cause otherwise I just feel like a, like a lump on a log, like literally depressed, put down, beaten up. And just like the world just chewed me up and spit me out. And, but then when, uh, when I'm skating and I'm, and I'm on the road, I'm in the open air. It's like, it's like, man, the world is, is my bitch. Like I can, (laughs) I can take it on, you know, I can, I can grab it and, you know, tell it what to do. And, and that, that feeling is, is a, is a powerful one. It's a powerful one. Yeah. And it's the main character thing too, right? Like it's not a bad thing. Feeling like you, you can run the world, right. Is motivating. Right. I wish everyone could feel that. I wish everyone could feel that, you know, and I hope they can. I hope that if somebody's listening to this, you know, uh, I, I hope that you'll get out on the open road because I think it's the finest form of, of distance skateboarding. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Therapeutic. Yes. I remember when I was, uh, when I, when I met up with you in, uh, in, in Southern Maine, uh, you were like, yeah, I never skate here. I would never skate on the highway like <laughs> yeah. this before, you know? So, uh, you know, for anyone listening, I, I met up with Max and then we, um, the next day he, he came and did like 10, 20 miles with me, uh, a pretty good distance. Yeah, 20 miles. And he was like, he's like, I, I would never get on the highway. Like he's like, you're really out here. You're really just doing it, <laughs> you know? And, and like, I, I remember it so clearly. Cause it was like, yeah, you know, a lot of distance skaters now 
are into that competition mode. Mm -hmm. And so it's a lot of training on closed courses. It's a lot of data. And we tend to forget, you know, just what casual skating is, you know? Right. Like, of course, both of us had our watches, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The long treks on skate decks, right, was like this whole just skating in these obscure places, cross countries, like, and that's yeah. something that like you're doing, right, but has kind of fallen out of, of is, is less trendy now than finding closed courses yeah. and, and putting up numbers. Yeah, but uh, like I said in the beginning, I think that there's kind of like, it's growing. I think that the attention is being shifted back because, you know, the IDSA distance skateboarding doesn't have a lot of races going on anymore. It's not like in 2016, 2018, where every single person was like, oh, you know, here's where I train. I can do a race. You know, I think we do need to get back to that. But we're also finding now that because of the lack of races, we're getting a lot of people who are jumping into this through skating thing. Um I mean, there was just, uh, you know, two, two people who just, uh, went out and they did the Natchez trace, you know, that was a 400 mile skateboarding adventure. And, you know, I reached out before and I was like, Hey, you know, can I send you a watch? Can you track this whole thing? Set an FKT for me. Like you don't have to go fast. No matter if you finish it, it will be an F skate T. And they were like, Oh, if you messaged me a week before, you know, that, then they were like, we would have done it. But, you know, they went, they stopped, they jumped into swimming holes. They slept behind, uh, you know, derelict buildings and, you know, they, they embodied all of it, you know, and that's, that's coming up. You know, there's a resurgence of people who are just like, here's a location on a map. How do I get there? Be mm-hmm. a skateboard. And they just take what what's in their backpack and they go. And, and I really, you know, those people are inspiring that's like the most inspiring thing if you can just get up and go you know the lack of planning is uh is an inspiring thing in a day where we're we're surrounded by data all the time we're surrounded by data and the ability to research all of the time so i think it's kind of admirable when people just use it minimally right yeah and i was thinking about that same ride the i think it was justin bright and moondog group are their names the two yes, guys who did yes. the natchez Natchez uh, trail, the trail they went on. I'm wondering if there's more like this where it's, it used to be like a native trail and then it became paved. And now it's like this cyclist destination where tons of bikes ride it and it's not very trafficked with cars. So it's pretty safe and uh, they skated it. So I'm wondering if there's more trails like that and having more people who want to do rides like this is how you find those trails. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only way that we're going to, no, the answer to that question is there more trails. Is if more people grab a backpack, throw a tent in it, and just get going through skating, it's a thing. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I guess it's so. Before uh, before we close off here, is there anything uh, you want to say that we didn't cover? Doesn't have to be oh, skateboarding man. related. Can be anything. You have the floor. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's. I think that um, we're in a we're in a unique time, right? We just had we had. COVID come a couple of years ago and it really changed the landscape of uh, endurance sports in general. I mean, we saw a massive resurgence in uh, in roller skating. I think that longboarding has caught the attention of people because of the popularity of e-boards. And, you know, so, so you know, I think that the sport is growing and I think that uh, it's not going to grow unless there's more people willing to kind of push the boundaries. Uh, you know, I, re- I remember when I announced this uh my my last cross-country skate when i announced it uh there was uh one of the french guys you know he was like why he's like why are you going fast why are you trying to sit around he's like just go have fun you know he's like just do it stop telling people about it and i was like 
I see where you're coming from, but, uh, yeah, that's a great phrase. Just do it. Stop telling people about it. (laughs) Right. Right. And, you know, so I don't know when you plan to release this episode, but you know, by the time it's out, I'm probably going to be done with the, with the, uh, the roller skate down Florida. I'm not even going to post about it. I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to post about it when I'm done, when I do it, I'm not announcing anything. You know, I've talked about it here and there, but, uh, I don't, find it necessary to put it out there anymore unless it's getting done and uh you know so i think the people deserve praise for going out and doing the uh, the unusual but but as i responded to the to the the guy who said you know just go do it i was like well i'm trying to grow this sport uh you know what what brings attention to sport is crazy people doing crazy shit and you know like uh setting a record in the long jump you know, like, wow, you know, that was an amazing record, you know, setting a record in distance skateboarding is wow. That's an amazing record, but we've never heard of this before. So how do we get people to hear about it? Well, you got to drum up, drum up some, some, some attention, you know, it's marketing one oh one. you know, you gotta, you gotta make people, uh, you have to force them to be interested in it. Right. So how do we do that? You know, uh, you know, this dumb idiot just skateboarded across the country. This dumb idiot just <laughs> did this, you know, just crazy, crazy things that need to keep pushing the border. So, if, if you, you know, maybe you can't go out and just host a race. Maybe you don't have the chops to be, um, you know, logistically handling that. But what you can do to grow the sport is go out and just do something great. I mean, just be great. Like everybody just being great is subjective, right? It's within everybody's own right. So if everybody goes out and just does one thing where they tell themselves, I'm great, and then tell somebody about it spark some interest. That's all it is. And, and, you know, just drum up some, some talk. And, you know, so that's what I'm trying to do. And so then if I draw up some talk, I'll get enough interest in this F skate T kind of thing. That's how we make moves, make moves. It's, it's such a fine line, right? Where you're like, we're, we're saying like, just go do it. Don't tell people about it, but, but then tell people about it. Right. Like it's right, hard to right. know like when you should reach out and like when you're just clout chasing, like, like I'm thinking of like, you brought up the Natchez guys and like they had a, a little new segment on them too. And you said yes. you did at the beginning of your uh, one of your cross country. Right. So like news people, whatever you want to call, them, they're always looking for a story. So like by all means, like reach out to them and be like, hey, I'm I'm sending out on this day. If you want to record it, put it on the news. Feel free, right? Like, and I think that does yeah. motivate people, right? Because I'm going to use another example. Earl Stout, who's been on the show, did a 50 mile ride on the Virginia Capitol Trail. And they did yeah, a little segment about it. Yeah, 100 miles because it's, it's 51 way, 50 yeah. back. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. 100 mile ride. Um, and they did a segment about him because he told them when he was going to leave. And like it, it was little effort on his part to like reach out and get that content made because they were they had all the equipment. They had the newscast. Right. They did all that. There's a chance that some kid sees that and is like, oh, I live on that, that trail. I'm going to take my board out right. there tomorrow. That's also growing the sport and like doing something great. Like you're saying, go out, do something great. That's great. It doesn't have to be a cross country skate. It doesn't have to be across the state. It doesn't have to be a hundred mile ride. It can be anything. Yeah. And, you know, don't get me wrong when I, when I say, you know, don't tell somebody about it, you know, that's kind of more like a, my, my personal thing because, you know, I, I feel an immense amount of shame from not completing my cross country skate. You know, I came in, I said I was going to do it and then I, I fell apart, you know, due to injury and mentality. And so I didn't do it. So, you know, for me, I'm just like, well, I'll let you know when I'm done, you know? (laughs) And, uh, but you know, it's one thing to say you're going to do it. And it's one thing to tell people, 
it's one thing to go in like I'm the number one. I'm gonna do it. And you know, you need to, uh, you know, you can announce your skates. You know, especially for an F skate T. You, you actually do have to announce it publicly beforehand because you can't just say, oh, hey, I did it, ha-ha. You know, I just broke your record. You have to announce it. So, you know, you got to kind of ebb and flow with, uh, you know, you got to read the room. You got to read the room. You, you, you can't just come out and say, hey, I'm about to do this and I'm going to be the number one ever. Uh, you got to set your expectations, set everyone else's expectations, say, hey, I'm going to attempt this. I'm going to attempt it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to attempt it. It's, it you know, it all goes into semantics. And semantics come into play into into distance skateboarding a lot. You know, um, I, I think Adam or- Ornelas, he just did, uh, you know, he unofficially broke the marathon record, right? He right. did it at that velodrome, I believe. Was it at the velodrome? Yep. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. And so, but his Instagram post, I'll never forget it because it was just so funny to me. It, it was like, this is the unofficial record. And, you know, it's like, yeah, semantics are important because if he said, if he came out and said, hey, what's up, bitches? I just did the marathon. You all suck. They'd be like, all right, where's the GPX route? Where did you do it? That's not uh-huh. the same. It's different. You know, and they and then they come and they scrutinize. So it's a, it's, a, it's a game of semantics when it comes to record keeping. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, he did a great segment on the whole marathon records and like how some of them were kind of like fabricated into being not completely right, where it would be like, a 24 mile ride or like a 28 mile ride and they adjusted it to be a 26.2. And like, that's not legit at all. You know, like that's just not right. 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 Still great. Still awesome. But like, right. And and that's the same thing, you know, with the F skate T kind of thing, you know, we'll recognize rides, but you know, if you don't have the data and everything to chop it up, you know, you don't get to go on the leaderboard, you know, you have to be able to back your shit up. Which is one of the things I really respect about Ladiga. Right. Because it is only mm. the one trail. There's only one route you can take. And the records yeah. have been kept really well. Um, yes, they have. Shout out. I'm forgetting the guy's name right now. Um, someone from Europe reached out to Carlos and did like a whole new spreadsheet on all the records, which will get out soon. But like, it's amazing nice. to see how much data there is. And like, you give the right person the data, they'll spit out all these graphs for you. You know, like, <laughs> um, yeah, we have yeah. those minds right in the, in the community. So very cool. Yeah, totally. And and I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. I want to be sort of a catalyst into this record keeping thing. You know, I, I'm 32 now. I'm not old. I, I still feel like I'm in my 20s. But I know that the day will come where I'm not going to be able to compete with this new generation that comes in, you know, so uh, but I still want to be involved. I want to be a part of the solution. You know, I, I like you know, I'd like to be a part of, of more record keeping in more ways than just going after it myself. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. Kind of like a, yeah, like a graduation sort of. <laughs> it really is uh, taking the sport in the right direction though. And I appreciate you, you know, putting in that work. Obviously you're doing it for free, right? Just because you want to. So Of course. Yep. That's awesome. Uh, two more questions before we actually sign off here. I always ask everyone this, but I think we know the answer. Where will we see you next? Never. Don't look at me ever again. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'll be I'll be in Florida. I'll be skateboarding. I'll be roller skating yeah. down the state of Florida, and you'll see me at Ultra Skate. 
and then it's up to the uh, the skate people, you know, go host a race or something. I'm not in race hosting mode. I ho- I hosted the Skate Central Lakes race. I did the Sleepaway Camp race. I did the Boston Skateathon. I hosted races for quite a while. Uh, so I'm excited to see more people stepping up. You know, realizing this issue in the distance skateboarding community is that there's just not enough community events. So I'd like to see more and more people. Um, doing that and so if you do maybe i'll come to your race you know i know uh aaron muhammadi's doing a race in texas yeah uh, that's that's supposed to be a big one it's like a three-dayer and then uh we've got uh you know there was skate camp that just passed i didn't really follow up on that one but um you know we got ultra and then what's next you tell me we'll yeah. figure it out but i live in a van have a van we'll travel you know i'll come to your event for sure help you promote it do whatever i need to um so where will you see me next at your event? Nice. That's Dear a great listener. answer. Dear listener. Yeah. Uh, any social media you want to plug? No, don't follow me. Don't um, follow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> don't look at me. Don't follow me. I'm on Instagram only. So you can follow me at fossils for all. Uh, I always follow back. I think that it's important to uh, reduce your ego. My ego I've had to reduce. So I follow back everyone and I think that you should too. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so you'll see me posting on Instagram. I'll be, uh, you know, talking about that, but you know, after, after ultra skate, I'm going to go hike the Arizona trail. It's an 800 mile trail in Arizona. Um, I'm going to kayak the Mississippi river in July and I'm going to hike the Camino de Santiago in Spain. And then I'm going to skateboard across the country in late September. Wow, you got so you were saying like I'll come to your event, but it sounds like you have a lot of adventures already planned. So this is gonna be really- Yeah, message me before you plan your event. I'll let you know my dates. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh hey, well Kelly, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day twice now, because we failed yesterday. That was yep. my fault. But um yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I'll see you soon. Hell sure. yeah. Oh yeah, thanks for having me. Give Clark my best. I, I will. Good, good, good luck with uh, everything. 